Welcome to episode three of Building Builders, a podcast made for contractors. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how contractors can reduce the impact of upfront spending and keep more money in their pockets. I'm your host, Kevin Forstel, and here to discuss this topic with me today is my guest, Zaid Rahman, CEO and founder of Flexbase. Zaid, so excited to have this conversation with you here today. Uh, thanks for joining. Um, yeah, maybe we can just kind of start with, uh, you know, would love to uh, let our listeners hear a little bit more about, uh, you know, your background, tons of uh, tech experience and what's brought you into uh, construction tech. Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin, for having me on this. Uh, been excited to do this for a while. Yeah, no, so quickly on my background, um, Indian originally, um, grew up in Dubai. Um, my parents actually are in the construction business. So my father runs a mid-sized construction company in the Middle East. Uh, both my sisters actually are architects as well. Um, and my uncle runs an architectural consulting firm. So quite literally, my entire family is in the construction business. Uh, but yeah, growing up in Dubai was sort of surreal, just seeing a lot of construction, you know, all the sort of high rises being built right in front of my eyes. Uh, and so that sort of got me into construction at a very early age. Uh, but I was also always into a lot of technology. And so um, started uh, started a company right before I got to college um, in the education software industry. Uh, and so I decided to take a gap year from college. I was going to go to New York, um, started doing that and, um, you know, uh, ended up, uh, you know, selling that company uh, to PE. And then after that, uh, moved to San Francisco. Um, I was lucky, you know, my parents still wanted me to go to college. Uh, I was lucky to get into something called the TL Fellowship, uh, where they basically pick uh, kids who don't want to go to college, uh, give them a hundred grand uh, with one condition that you definitely can't go to college. <laughs> wow. So I um, was lucky to do that, moved to San Francisco as part of that. And um, started my second company, which was uh, Volley. It was an artificial intelligence startup. Basically, the premise of the company was the world is going through a knowledge explosion. Google exists, but it kind of sucks from a learning perspective. And so let's build way better tools to um, you know, teach kids. Um, and so built that company, was used by lots of different institutions and even big companies. Um, and, you know, Ended up sort of leaving that company in 2018, um, had been investing a ton. Uh, so, you know, wear multiple hats, but really got into Flexbase, uh, my current startup, um, about 18 months ago. Um, and really the premise for this was, as I mentioned, um, my family is in the construction space and naturally saw a lot of different struggles that they went through growing up. And the main thing that would come up again and again was cash flow. Or the lack of cash flow. Um, you know, I just remember sitting around the dinner table and my parents talking about how, you know, they're struggling to make the next payroll and, uh, you know, pay suppliers on time and <laughs> rent equipment and so on. And, uh, and through that experience, I just realized that finance was the biggest challenge in the construction industry. And so, uh, that's what I've decided to sort of focus on solving on, uh, for the next sort of stage of my career. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Thanks for the intro, Zaid, and congrats on the uh, Teal Fellowship. That's so cool. Um, and you know, a uh, 
I've got lots of questions and comments on cash flow and construction industry and probably, you know, quite a theme for, uh, uh, for this call. Um, right before we dive into that, um, did you want to, uh, maybe share with, uh, our listeners, uh, Flexbase, what it does and, you know, um, Absolutely. You know, we're very excited to be partnering with you, but uh, um, yeah. maybe you can tell everyone why they're so, why we're so excited. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, this is, uh, you know, this is probably the most important company or project I've been involved in. And, you know, cash flow is a problem that pretty much any small to medium sized business faces, right? You know, cash flow, making payroll, paying people on time, and really the place this comes from is uh, construction is one of these industries where money coming in is usually way slower than money going out. And so you're always buying stuff way ahead of time before your client pays you. And so it's um, on average about 100 days late, um, which is kind of insane. There's actually no other industry, uh, to my knowledge, where uh, there's a 100-day lag in most payments. And if you think about working capital that's available to these companies to make expenses meet, um, it's actually quite difficult to get working capital. It's usually a very long winded process where you're talking to banks and, you know, sketchy sort of credit funds and so on. Um, And usually what ends up happening is either you get rejected or if you do get accepted, the uh, interest you're paying is so insane that it eats up your entire profit margin. I mean, we have seen as high as 100% APRs, <laughs> which is, you wow. know, straight up, you know, in my opinion, illegal, right? Um, yeah. And then if you dive one layer deeper, if you look at the finance layer of most companies, right? The, the, it, the finance layer of companies is also quite broken. You know, you have companies using multiple bank accounts, they might be using credit cards, often their own personal credit cards for business purposes. Um, they might be using stuff like QuickBooks, Excel, payroll software, um, project management. So there's a ton of stuff. And so it's quite fragmented still in 2022. And it's not really changed in the last 20, 30 years. And so we think there's an opportunity to consolidate every single aspect of your business's finance into one platform. And we call it a finance super app. Um, and so we launched our you know, first major product being a business credit card um, where we give you super high limits within five minutes based on not just your credit score, but your actual business income. And the way we do that is we plug into the business's bank account and very quickly you can tell what the business's revenues and cash flows are. Um, but the headline feature is we give 0% interest for 60 days. Effectively, you get a free loan for two months. And so with that, you can buy now and then pay later, um, which is massively helpful in an industry that has significant cash flow difficulties. And so that product has been so successful that we've had actually a number of merchants approach us saying, hey, would you offer you know 60-day float to my customers? We want to offer net 60 terms to our customers. And so that sort of led us to, you know, uh, where we are today with uh, Dozer, where, um, you know, we we have built the industry's first buy now, pay later designed for businesses, where basically a business can buy any um, 
business purchase and have 60 day terms on the payment. Um, and, you know, in the future, we'll launch, you know, financing beyond the 60 days as well. So if you're buying some equipment or something like that, you know, there, there's room to expand. Um, and so what we're really excited to partner with Dozer on is, you know, if you think about construction equipment, the equipment industry, um, you know, either the equipment suppliers are running quasi banks and, you know, they don't know how to run a bank. They don't know how to underwrite. They don't know how to collect funds. Or they offer no financing whatsoever, no payment terms. And so um, I think FlexBase sort of alleviates this concern for both sides where with a five-minute application, we can approve, you know, literally fifty to $250,000 um, credit lines to make sure that people have enough time to pay for what they need. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, yeah, I know our our customers are uh, are, are excited, and uh, you know, Dozer's, uh, you know, one of our our pillars is being customer obsessed, and one of the really the reason why uh, we want to dive in on this. So, um, it, let's dive in a, a little bit more on on cash flow. Um, mm-hmm. Would like to just kind of chat a little bit about. Uh, you know why why this cash flow problem exists um you know i've i've seen it firsthand being a contractor i i completely understand you know that those payments go from expecting in 15 to 30 days and next thing you know yeah they're 100 days later and you're still trying to collect um can you describe that that process a little bit more and you know uh, what it's like to be a contractor and and how long it takes to get paid yeah no absolutely you know construction is one of the more unique industries where you know if you're like let's say you run a small consulting firm or you run you're a lawyer or 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 you know you run a medical clinic the the typical invoicing process is you know you send an invoice to the customer and it's like a one-page document. Uh, you could generate a PDF and send it via email. Um, and uh, you know that one-page document. Um, you know there's a number, and the customer just pays that number. And usually that's within a few weeks. Um, but construction is unique, where down to the invoicing process, how the invoice is approved, how the invoice is financed. There's so many workflows and nuances, right? So. If you're in the commercial construction industry, for example, you know, you're working on these sort of archaic documents that your listeners are familiar with, you know, AIA forms and lien waivers and, uh, you know, all these sorts of, sorts of uh, you know, documentation that's different state by state in the United States. Uh, if you go to other countries like Canada, you know, Canada has its own kind of set of documentation that's unique. Um, and so you're, you as a subcontractor, a specialty contractor, you're sending this to the GC. The GC is then kind of approving that and then sending it to the developer slash client. The client is then approving it. And, you know, that could be weeks of back and forth, you know, at each step. And then that's being sent ultimately to a bank. And the bank oftentimes is doing its own review and making sure that all the compliance is in place and all the work that's being told that's completed is actually, in fact, completed. Um, and then releasing funds, and then the funds kind of flow down this funnel back to the final stakeholder. And so oftentimes, if you're a smaller company, be it a specialty contractor or a supplier, you are literally, in best case scenario, 55 days away from being paid. Um, But what's usually, you know, what's more typical is like 80 to 100 days. Um, and, And that's, you know, 
and that's, you know, even that is sort of generous. In certain cases, we've seen it to be way, way longer. Um, and then if you go on to the residential construction side, you have not as many doc documents per se, but you still have a ton of like compliance that you need to do to make sure that, you know, in an adverse scenario, you protect yourself. Um, but then, you know, you have clients who are perhaps not as cash rich. Um, and so you then have to sort of kind of chase them. And, you know, a lot of residential projects go belly up because clients just don't have enough money. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I was in the same, uh, as I said, same space, both residential and, and commercial. And, you know, first on the, uh, the residential side, uh, you know, great to get the deposits, right? You got your 10% deposit when you get started or 10% deposit to book and, you know, another, what, 30% to get started. Uh, and then, Good luck, you know, collecting on that other sixty percent. You you lose all your leverage <laughs> by finishing the the project um, as a as a contractor, and then um, you know the, all the leverage goes over to uh, the person the 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 purchaser, uh, and you know they may have uh, started a project that was a little bit bigger than they expected, or um, for various reasons there's just there's no way to collect and it makes it very very difficult for uh for contractors um and then you know one other thing that i thought maybe i'd bring up and um uh, you know I'm, I'm sure you've probably picked up on this and maybe you have some comments is the uh <clears throat> with the um commercial projects there's always that 10 percent holdback at the end as you know it, again good luck collecting on that 10 percent it's it's just as much work collecting the 10 percent as it was completing the project you know in the first place you know it's and a, then uh sorry go ahead there say yeah i know i was i was gonna make a comment there um so uh when you were doing um you know when you were working directly in the construction industry were you mostly doing projects in canada yeah yeah, yeah. So what, one interesting thing that, um, we've learned that's different in, between the Canadian and the U S markets is that, um, the U S a number of years back basically removed the standard of doing the 10% advance. And the reason for that was they were seeing so much fraud, um, and things like that, that, you know, they basically eliminated the 10%, but, um, uh, the advance payment, but they kept right. the 10%. <laughs> Overhang, which is the rich. so oh so you so you're kind of being screwed on both sides. In the yeah. US. <laughs> oh, it's going in the wrong direction. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, um, <clears throat> the other thing on on this that I wanted to add with the uh, with ten percent is. So yeah, almost impossible to collect that 10%. But then, you know, building a good business is all about, you know, relationships as well, right? So you're trying to have this really great relationship with, uh, you know, your customer, whoever that is, the GC or the homeowner, because you want to do their neighbors. Uh, and, you know, say you've told them payment on completion, great, but really it's 30 days. 30 days is pretty normal. Uh, but if they start to go over, and they're now 15 days late from the 30-day payment terms, 
you've hit the 45 day mark and in Canada, I, I'm, you know, I'd love to learn about the U S here, but that's our limit for being able to place a lien. So you can have this really great relationship with a GC or with, uh, you know, a homeowner that you're building a, a landscape for, you know, in my case, uh, and then your only option is that 44 days to place a lien on this person that you've got this great relationship with. And after that, you lose all leverage, right? So it's just a very, very difficult space. Um, are, are you seeing the same thing in the in the U.S.? Yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit more than 15 days, but it's similar, right? Like you have, you know, oftentimes we see customers. So we, we, we have, um, in addition to our financing product, uh, we have a banking product and uh, a payments product uh, that we are um, super excited about. And in our payments product, we basically help customers, you know, try to get paid faster from their clients. And what we often see is customers will just sit on their invoice and mm-hmm. we're like, hey, we have this amazing software that can automate the reminders and the lean notices and the legal documents necessary to get paid faster. And, right. you know, most of our customers oftentimes will be, you know, we'll say something along the lines that, hey, I would rather just wait because I don't want to mess up my relationship. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. The relationship's a huge part, right? And I think that's where, you know, the the, the GCs and, you know, uh, even in residential construction, there's some leverage there over the contractor of, you know, sort of uh, there's a carrot out front uh, in waiting for that next job <laughs> to fill up the, 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 the pipeline of work, right? Um, so it makes it very difficult as a contractor, right? huge amount of sympathy for for contractors and what they're doing yeah no exactly and you know i think the the joke is um most of so people think construction is funded by banks but right you know it, it's really funded by construction companies construction yeah. companies are basically especially in the u.s when you don't have the advance payment often um you're basically acting as an unsecured lender with not that many rights um, right. with really bad, you know, payers, um, who, who, you know, take advantage of the smaller guy. So, right. And I think you could take that even one step further that it's funded by the construction companies, but then the construction companies unintentionally end up, uh, pushing that debt or that funding back onto the smaller suppliers, uh, you know, the stone yards, the rental companies, um, you know, the, you know, maybe rent pay up front, but then all of a sudden, you know, something's extended and the cash flow just isn't, in, isn't there to, to, to pay. So again, yeah. a huge amount of sympathy, right? It, it's a, it's a sy- systemic problem <laughs> in, in construction. The wildest theory I've heard about this is, you know, not to be, um, not to go into conspiracy, but the wildest theory here, which is kind of hilarious to me, is uh, the larger general contractors, you know, the ones that have billions in revenue, that employ, you know, thousands of smaller companies, um, you know, because they are large, they get really great lines of credits from banks. So banks are giving them literally hundreds of millions of dollars. So they have the capital to play around with. And that is why they're the ones winning all the projects because they're the best finance, best insured, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then you go to the smaller companies, they don't have any fin- financing. And oftentimes, you know, they're the ones getting paid the last. And so the general contractors, um, the conspiracy says, basically are using withholding the capital 
to generate interest revenue and using the revenue to basically uh, expand their profits. <laughs> right. so, so when you have idle cash sitting in an account, that account can be generating two, three, four percent, you know, in this rising right. rate environment, you could be literally making four, four or five percent on $10 million. That's like half a million dollars for doing nothing. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. So, yeah, that's interesting. I haven't heard that one, but I, uh, yeah, um, definitely something maybe I'll read it a little bit more into. Um, you, you just touched on something, though, that I'd love to dig deeper. Uh, so, um, let's talk more about why contractors find it difficult to get a line of credit. <laughs> why yeah. do they have to lean on their suppliers and their credit cards? Um, you know, yeah. why is it difficult? Yeah, no, it's um, it's a really you know important question, and um, it's actually you know the, the the problem with construction companies is end of the day their cash flows are very lumpy. And so if you're a traditional bank, uh, a traditional bank just does not know how to underwrite lumpy cash flows. Um, they're looking at, you know, the company, they're used to, you know, very stable businesses like law firms and doctor's offices and whatnot. And then a construction business comes with their P&L and suddenly you're looking at, you know, three months, there's no money made. And then there's like a lot of money made. And then there's like, you know, debt and like, yeah, so it's 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 often really hard to sort of underwrite these businesses. And so if you're not big enough, most banks or credit funds, even credit card companies will basically just say, all right, we don't know how to underwrite this business. Let's just, you know, look at the business owner's credit score um, and just do a little bit of diligence that this business is real and give them the smallest possible credit line available. So if you're Working with like an American Express, they'll give you, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 credit limit uh, when you're, right. you know, even if you're making 10 million revenue, which is, right. which is kind of insane, right? Um, and so this kind of complicated underwriting process cannot be solved if technology is actually not built. And so what we have done is through literally 15 months of a lot of hard work, we have build ways to actually understand the cash flows of a business going back five years by simply uh, the user logging into their bank account in our application flow. Um, we can figure out what's happened in the last five years and give a pretty accurate picture on how resilient is this business. Um, and so, you know, that sort of gives us the ability to provide sometimes quite literally 10 times more credit than a traditional bank. Wow. Um, so if your limit is 50,000 with like an Amex or Capital One, we could literally go as high as $500,000 because we actually understand the business's uh, quality. And 0% for 60. And 0% for 60. Right, great it's like It's like, you know, it's the Amazon thing, right? Like you gotta make the product so like, um, so good that <laughs> right. you'll have to be stupid not use it. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Dozer, an online marketplace for heavy equipment rentals across North America. Partnering with thousands of rental houses, Dozer provides contractors with access to local suppliers, transparent pricing, mobile ordering, and an industry-leading payment option of 0% interest for 60 days. Go to dozer.com to find your next heavy equipment rental. That's D-O-Z-R dot 
one of the things that used to come up with my uh, my previous business, we were growing super fast. Um, I'm just going to be kind of curious to see if you've run into this and have any comments. Debt to equity ratio was a thing that came up all the time, right? Mm-hmm. We're growing really, really fast, and uh, we had to buy uh, a ton of equipment. Frankly, you know, one of the reasons we started Dozer is we realized we probably should have been renting more than than uh, the amount that we were purchasing, but. Uh, you know, we were buying equipment uh, and then started to struggle to, you know, have access to enough equipment to be able to, you know, complete the jobs. We were very, very heavy into snow removal. Um, so, yeah, I remember that being being a challenge. And then when we could buy it, we had to go to tier two and tier three banks and we were paying unbelievable interest rates. You're right. Your, your uh, um, profits kind of end up going out the window just to these interest rates to be able to you know, run the projects that you bid six months ago, not knowing if you were going to get it or not. Um, but uh, is that is that a contributing factor um, uh, with uh, with FlexSpace, the debt to equity ratio? Yeah, so we, we do factor that. And, um, you know, we have mechanisms to figure out how much credit both the business owners and the business have. And we can kind of uh, figure out, all right, this is how much revenue this business is generating. Uh, this is this is what their kind of take-home profit is. And we can estimate that using pretty complex data science models. Um, and then we figure out, all right, so th- this is their monthly debt service. And so if we provided them capital, will they be able to pay it back uh, in a timely manner? And... You know, the reality is that if you think about, you know, and this is going into the weeds of how debt works for businesses, um, there are two categories of debt, right? There is mm-hmm. short-term working capital and then yep. long-term expansion capital. So if you're buying equipment, you're tapping into the expansion capital side of things. You're paying whatever, 20, 30, 40% APRs, you know, sometimes lower if, if you're lucky. Um uh, and, you know, you're getting, you know, 12 months, 24, 60, and it goes kind of on and on, you know, as high as 10 years to pay back on expansion capital. The, the, the reality is that that expansion capital is intended to grow businesses. And so if you are, uh, if you're in a stage where you need to buy, you know, uh, 10 large pieces of equipment, fine, tap into that, right? But what we realize is that where there is basically no capital available is short-term working capital, right? Which is like, hey, am I going to make this next payment tomorrow? Uh, am I am I going to be able to rent from Dozer today uh, when I don't have um, the payment from my client yet? And so that's the that's the sort of large lake that's missing in today's um, sort of capital solutions. And so we've built uh, probably the best short-term working capital solution out there. And we think that, you know, providing customers with 60 days, no interest gives them, you know, much lesser sort of debt burden, um, just sort of, you know, use it for operational expenses mostly. So for example, if you're, if you're a tiny company and you're making runs at like Home Depot, um, you can use FlexSpace to go buy, you know, some materials and, uh, pay us within two months and we'll literally charge you no interest. So it's almost free uh, financing. Right. Yeah. I love that. Um, <clears throat> it, uh, 
it gets me thinking of that that lumpiness com- a comment that you made earlier, right? Uh, you know, I I'm guessing that this uh, the lumpiness and need for short term capital is really uh, due to um, the way the payments come in, right? The deposit structure. So you're yeah. getting 10, 20% down, you're maybe getting 30% to get started. Um, and then you've got, if the project's three months, you, you, you could have no revenue for the next three months. You have to live off of the 30, 40% that you just brought in, um, but you still have to pay for people, fuel, materials, um, and then somehow make it to the end of the project. And to think that a contractor is, uh, you know, has sixty percent of the job is free cash flow or, or profit is just you know outrageous. Right? I think that what, what do you think contractors are are normally bringing in like a ten, twenty, thirty percent profit margin? Um, Way lower than that. It's yeah. uh, it's 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 like um, we've seen as low as like three percent. Right. Yeah, so yeah. they they need help with this financing. They don't have sixty to seventy percent of the cash available to wait until the end of the project. Yeah, I mean we've we've um, honestly like um, you know the number one blocker to a company's growth in this industry um, is there, there's a reason why there are only like five guys who win all the projects in any given area because those are the five guys who have the best financing and the best kind of resources to take on projects more and more, right? Um, and so what we have seen is that, you know, if you can solve this capital problem, both on the short and long term, um, you, you know, you can basically outcompete anybody. So it's, it's, it's oftentimes not about um, relationships and business development. Um, I mean, that's really important, but it's, um, it's often just like having enough money to take on more projects. And so, um, you know, we actually, we have a, a customer in Texas that uh, we were talking to and it was amazing. They, they told us that uh, they were able to 3X their business by recycling funds more efficiently um, using wow. Flexbase. Wow. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. Hey, can you... Um... Are you able to share any more details on that? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we actually, yeah, yeah. We uh, we uh, we were so like blown away. We we send a, a, a camera crew down there and <laughs> asked him to sort of explain his story. And yeah, no. So when he be, you know this was like a eight hundred thousand dollar a year business when he started using Flexbase, and um, what he realized was he could um, you know he, he figured out some sort of like pricing mm-hmm. arbitrage where if he pays for materials up front his profit margins actually go up significantly. Um, and so he started paying for all the stuff up front. Um, he has pretty good customers who are paying him within 50, 60 days. And so when the payment would come through, he would pay us. But his because of the larger profit margin, um, he was then using that capital to grow other parts of his business. You know, For example, hire additional salespeople to go and close additional customers. And so, um, in very short order, like I, I'm talking, like eight nine months, he w- he was able to grow his team to a point where um, the sophistication of their operation grew meaningfully, such that they were able to win more customers. Um, and that you know additional five, ten, fifteen percent in profit is substantial for a construction business, right? Yeah, it's game changing. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, it was it was honestly like the coolest thing ever, you know, seeing this customer 
talk about how, um, you know, they frankly are just, you know, their financial lives are meaningfully better, uh, which is really our mission, like help people make more money. So Zaid, you said something there uh, that really resonated and I've had this hypothesis for, for years that, you know, that when it comes to the skill trades and, uh, you know, building a, a great business, one is, you know, the ability that uh, most people start with a skill and they're really great at the trade. Then, you know, they're really good at, uh, um, you know, relationship building, you know, maybe some organization skills, you know, to get off the ground. But if you can nail that, the rest of it comes down to financing. And if you can have yeah. access to capital to be able to grow that business, you go from one crew to two crews to a hundred crews. Um, but you need the capital to be able to get past that first crew. Yeah, no, exactly. And, that, and, and that's the exact right uh, way to think about it. I think, let's be honest, people in this business are not good with money. That's just the honest reality, right? And, and they shouldn't be. Like, they, you know, they, they, their core kind of skill set is, you know, building buildings, <laughs> right? So they, 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 that, that's what they should focus on and that's what they're good at, right? So, um, you know, it's, it's unfair for anybody to come in and say that, oh, like, just get better at finances because you're a business owner. That, that's not how, you know, skill sets in general work. And so um, I think what we are trying to do is, we are trying to come in and say, you, you know what? We know that finance is a hassle for you. Let's give you the capital and the tools so that you don't need to worry about finance in general. You know, it's sort of this thing in the background that's an autopilot and you're focusing on your relationships, you know, you know, hiring more people, you know, hiring is super difficult in this environment still. And, um, and, you know, just, uh, winning more projects. So maybe just a slightly different uh, question for you. Just a broad question about fintech in the construction industry. There seems to be a lot happening now. Um, yeah. Why? Why is now the time? What's changing uh, that we're seeing more of this? Yeah. No. I think. Uh, I think what's it, what's interesting, you know, and, and I'm a pretty active investor. In, I've invested in a number of fintech companies. I think fintech as a whole um, is having its kind of. Um, you know, high school graduation moment, uh, because you know, all these technologies have existed for decades, right? Like, you know, people have been building the underlying blocks for many, many years. But the challenge has always been um, that, uh, you know, the technologies are too complicated to use because the user experience, you know, the, the, the layer that the customer interacts with um, is crappy. It's kind of like, you know, there are mobile phones and then the iPhone came out and the iPhone, you know, is so much better. And so I think fintech is having this moment where um, the building blocks are ready. If you wanted to launch, you know, a fintech product that, you know, was a was a bank product for construction businesses. Um, if you have, you know, enough engineering skill set, you could actually launch it within six months. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, it would have taken you three years just to get the licenses in order, if not more. And, you know, lic licensing and compliance is so complicated in this industry. So you have the building blocks so like simplified that you can build pretty much any user experience you want. And so the why now question is that the underlying foundation, the building blocks, the, the abstractions that allows you to build more stuff on top of is now ready. 
which wasn't the case, you know, even five years ago. So seeing that there's such a trend uh, and, you know, opportunity with fintech and now coming to construction, um, are there any uh, trends that you think that contractors should be jumping on or, you know, on the other side, is there anything that they should be cautious of, you know, any sort of newer tech that uh, hasn't yet, yet been proven and there's some risk? Yeah, you know, I think what's interesting is COVID was um, a net positive for the construction industry. I mean, it was terrible for for lots of reasons, but um, it was it was very positive for the construction industry where, you know, we often talk to customers on, on Zoom now. And, you know, I can't imagine three years ago where our, you know, BD people would jump on a call with customers and construction on a Zoom call, right? You know, because, yeah, so the adoption of technology and the digitization has grown so significantly that um, I think that uh, now is an incredible opportunity for construction businesses where um, the people on the job site are actually open to adopting technology. Whereas before, if you were a business owner, let's say you were the most savvy business owner, out there in construction, if your people don't want to use stuff, then there's no point, right? And so because now they are willing to use stuff because of COVID, um, I think it's time to lean in even more and sort of adopt even more technology. And so in that vein, there's a lot of stuff happening around financing and FlexSpace being, uh, you know, I like to think at the forefront of it in the construction industry. Uh, there's stuff happening around, you know, managing equipment, you know, dozer, et cetera. Um, and, but then there's also a lot of stuff ha- happening around how you bid on projects where there are lots of platforms that allow you to bid more efficiently. Um, there are scheduling platforms. Uh, there are platforms to sort of organize labor. There, there are, you know, literally hardware companies that clock, you know, help the sort of clock in, clock out process of workers much, much more efficiently. Um, there, there is a camera companies now that you can install a camera and it'll tell you how productive your job site is. So you could be literally sitting at home and you could tell, you know, your crew number two is, you know, 70% productive and, you know, there's 30% optimization yet to be done. There's all this stuff out there. And, you know, it's just, you know, if you, if you Google for any potential problem in construction, um, I guarantee that there's a construction technology working on it. Yeah, we're seeing the same thing. I just think there's so much opportunity for a contractor right now, and building a business looks a little, di- little bit different than uh, you know when when I was doing it uh, ten, fifteen years ago. Yeah, I mean the thought experiment there is like what happens in like twenty years, right? Like if if right. so much happened in the last you know twenty four months, what happens right. like looking deep into the next twenty years? I mean fundamentally every aspect of construction planning management even the construction itself you know there are companies like canvas that literally are automating how you uh, do drywall where there's a robot that comes to the job site and literally sprays and 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 gets it done uh there, there are companies out there that you know are you know like dusty robotics that do the um the the the, the layouts um it, it, on a in a building automatically, you know, it's, it, they, they sort of embed the schematic and then they go out and draw out these lines on a job floor. And it's just, it's just incredible to see how fast software and hardware in this industry is uh, evolving. 
Yeah, for sure. It gets me thinking. I mean, we all know that there's a, a, a shortage of labor in the skilled trades. And, um, you know, this is probably a little bit of a rabbit hole. I won't go too deep. But um, with all of these new products, fintech and and otherwise, the, you know, the others that you're sharing, it probably uh, it probably will impact uh, the education system and, you know, some of the skills that uh, the trades will need to learn uh, as they continue to grow. And again, yeah. I'm probably going down a little bit too deep on your thought experiment there. but No, but, you know, you know, just like one one analogy, just to like go one step deeper. You know, if you think about a company like SpaceX uh, and Elon Musk, right? Um, you know, everybody is at this point familiar with him, but I think the piece that most people don't realize is when SpaceX initially started, th- their whole thesis was that, you know, rocket launches, uh, rocket launches cost half a billion dollars. How can we reduce the cost and time of a rocket launch by 90%? Right. Which is akin to saying like, hey, let's say a construction project costs, you know, $10 million. Can you build it for a million dollars? Yeah. And as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like SpaceX actually solved that for rockets. Like, you know, if you think about it, rockets are basically like metal, like screws, you know, at, at the at the basic building block level. It's just like like metal, right? So why does it cost so much? Um, and so if, if you think about construction, you know, arguably it's even more simple, right? Like it's like cement, you know, wood, you know. I, you know my, my hypothesis is that within the next 20 to 50 years, you know, costs will actually go down as opposed to go up uh, with technology. And so uh, if you're a business owner, now's the time to adopt technology. Otherwise, you know, you'll be in trouble. Um, yeah. <laughs> Love it, Sade. Yeah, um, really great conversation. I'm I'm realizing we're probably a little bit uh, getting close on time. I, I could keep chatting for the next two hours on this. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing we like to do as a construction company is uh, just kind of ask, uh, do you have a favorite piece of equipment? <laughs> um, yeah, um, I would say the, um, yeah, I would say, let me think. I want to get this one right. Um, <laughs> It's a hard yeah. question. So, um, as a kid, I used to, I used to be fascinated by um, uh, like mobile cranes. You know, like the, oh, the, yeah. yeah, because my father used to build lots of you know twenty, thirty, forty story buildings. And right. you know, uh, it, you know, I used to be fascinated how like the mobile cranes would come and like install the like fixed crane. And so, right. and, and you know, whenever I would see a crane, I'd be like, oh, we have like a new project. And so this is exciting. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah, so, that's, uh, th- th- there's some like, uh, so, I don't know, some emotional attachment with cranes <laughs> for me, which is like a weird thing to say. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's an awesome answer. Awesome piece of uh, equipment and even better reason. Uh, yeah, I love it. So, uh, Zaid, Thanks again for for coming. Um, just want to give you a chance to uh, let everyone know where they can find you, your social handles, etc. Yeah, you can learn more about Flexspace by going to uh, flexspace.app. Uh, Flexspace is F L E X B A S E dot app, and you can um, find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, etc. By just um, typing Zade. R-M-N, Z-A-I-D-R-M-N. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much, uh, Zaid. This has been great and uh, looking forward to uh, uh, chatting some more. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Zaid Rahman about working capital. If you'd like more content, you can follow us on social media or watch all of our episodes on YouTube. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We have links to all platforms in the description. Thanks again for tuning in. We look forward to having you back for our next episode.